It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Wednesday night, the staple show is live a little bit later than usual. I had some other business to attend to. Uh, Little League is getting, we're getting ready to go. We had a coaches meeting tonight. Uh, so grinding away uh, at that, uh, push this back a little bit. But as you'll notice, there's no guest tonight because Ryan and I were talking over the weekend and, you know, starting to kind of plan the show. And I figured that we were going to have a lot of activity to talk about. And if we didn't, why didn't we have it yet to talk about? And then also kind of looking ahead to next week and some of the free agency, the big decisions that are coming. So we're going to get into all of that. And I had a fun idea right before we started because I want this to be real interactive with fans. Uh, I'll explain that in a minute. I'm Matt Perino joined as always by Ryan Talbot, Syracuse.com, New York upstate. This is the new, the shout football podcast. And there's a lot to talk about, Ryan. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, and, and you're right, a lot to talk about, especially after today with uh, some sudden releases. No, you broke up there for a second. Oh, sorry um, about that. No, you're good. So let's start off with where we're at in terms of the roster kind of restructuring, reshuffling here as we expected, and I think you know, the big, the most highest profile thing that we have to talk about is John Brown. The Bills moving on from him. Uh, wide receiver number two uh, last season. Wide receiver number one in 2019. In uh, a really great season. I think at the time it was the 14th best season in Bills history. Uh, and, and had a real impact in two years. The Bills decide to move on because they can add $8 million. And all of these dollars are super important. So the cap came out today officially 182.5 million dollars the bills had some rollover uh they had an adjustment so add about 5 million to that and the bills are working with a 188 million dollar cap situation after the move to release John Brown they released Quentin Jefferson uh which I think some fans were a little bit surprised about because uh I think if you look at some of the interior players maybe Vernon Butler was a player that you know fans were more eager to see the Bills move away from because there were some savings there as well. But instead of moving away from Vernon Butler, they restructured his deal. And I want to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But one big piece to that to remember, and I think that this was something that I think was lost a little bit in the discussion today on social media is you got to remember where Vernon Butler comes from. There's a familiarity with him inside that building. Of course, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean from their days in Carolina, but Eric Washington, this is a guy that I remember Leslie Frazier talking about earlier in the season when things weren't really going well for Vernon Butler and he had a couple of good games. Leslie Frazier said, man, listen, Eric Washington came to us and said, be patient. This guy's going to figure it out. There's real potential, untapped potential there. And I think in this weird year with the injuries, I'm wondering if the Bills didn't look at this situation. And who knows? Maybe they went to both guys and they asked both guys to take a pay cut and Vernon Butler was more willing. But I think that Vernon Butler, I think, has the the higher ceiling of what they need to need him to be. He's got some size. They obviously um, restructured Mitch Morse as well. We'll get into all that, Ryan. But you know, what's your big takeaway from this group? 
Yeah, my, my big takeaway is I think you're right. I think there was a little bit of a surprise where Jefferson was the first to go on the defensive line. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Mario Addison, especially when J.J. Wattwatch was on. Uh, there's been plenty of talk about Vernon Butler, but, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, Vernon Butler has been with this regime, has been with Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott going back to when he was drafted by the Panthers. Then he's been with Eric Washington this entire time. Uh, obviously they like him. They like his versatility on the inside, being able to play both roles and, and playing pretty well. And, and I will say to his credit late in the year, it seems like he did come on. He was playing his best football at the end of the year uh, as the playoffs were approaching. So maybe he was getting more comfortable with the players around him. Maybe uh, we are starting to see exactly what he could do in this defense. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, we'll get a good look and, and good idea of what his new contract looks like, what those savings are, how much of that money he can possibly earn back with incentives, whether it's playing time, whether it's uh, tackle sacks, wh- whatever the case may be. It'll be interesting to look at. But the Bills are, are doing what every team in this league is doing right now. You know, they're scrambling to uh, adjust to this new salary cap because obviously no one saw this pandemic coming uh, it lowered the salary cap significantly. So now a lot of really good players are going to be hitting free agency uh, that probably didn't plan to at the time that they signed for deals last year, two years ago, however long it may be. Uh, and, and for the Bills, it just happened to be John Butler and Quentin Jefferson today. So we have a cool little idea that, you know, I think that this is a kind of show where I want your involvement. And obviously we got the YouTube folks in the comments always interacting. Uh, I felt like I feel like everybody's always super uh, plugged in over there. Uh, But I tweeted out a a little bit before the show like, hey, let's turn this into a little bit of a radio vibe in the second half. If you want to get in. So we're going to have some callers. Maybe they'll turn their video videos on. Maybe they won't. But I want to get into what you guys want to talk about. Make this your show uh question here in the comments is where's the cap room sitting at right now after all these moves and i think we're sitting around we don't know vernon butler's figures yet uh so mitch morse according to matt fairburn from the athletic it's about a three uh 2.9 million dollar pay cut uh his his cap hit is going to shrink by three million dollars which adds about three million fourteen and a half ish uh, from Jefferson and, and John Brown, uh, and we'll figure out Butler. So right now you're figuring the, the cap space is about 20 million, roughly, depending on what Butler's final number it is. Could be maybe a million or two million of wiggle room there. So you figure probably some more work to do because you know one of the things I first tweeted about and one of the things I wanted to get into first and foremost is what do you think that this move, these moves, whatever, however many this amounts to is four because I think this is probably for a significant swing, at least one significant swing. And that could be any number of things. It could be bringing back one of your own. Matt Milano is going to cost some money. Uh, Daryl Williams is going to cost some money. Obviously the bills were in on JJ Watt. Do they want to still go after an edge rusher? There are some options there. We will get into those players, but let's start off with just what you thought, Ryan, you know, this kind of maybe uh, sets the stage for next week. I think it sets the stage for them to go big on an edge rusher. I, I think if you're in the J.J. Watt talks all the way to the end, you're a finalist. That means that you are uh, serious about improving your pass rush. And I think that that's one area where we watched the Bills all season. We said, boy, you know, sometimes they're getting the pressures, but they're not getting home. They're not, they're not a consistent force. Uh, you, you saw what a good pass rush could do to a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, and I know – Patrick Mahomes did not have his starting tackles in the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. I'm well aware of that. 
but you saw him running for his life because there was constant pressure in his face, and the Bills don't have that right now. And the fact that they were so strong after what makes me think they're going to go after one of these younger guys, and, and these guys are going to cost some money too. So right now you have about $20 million in cap space, as you said. That allows you to take a pretty big swing on one of these guys that you feel can be the answer long-term. And if you sign that player, well, then that probably lets you cut Mario Addison. And then you have some more money to play with. So there's going to be a little bit of a trickle-down effect. Mario Addison is probably going to stay on this roster unless the Bills find a playmaker off the edge. If they do, then he goes. So like I said, there's there's going to be a, if we get this guy, we can let this player go. It's going to be really interesting because there's still going to be some more cuts leading up to free agency, but I think Addison's one of those guys that will not go unless the Bills get a Carl Lawson or some of these guys that we're going to be talking about later tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mario Addison's such an interesting case because I think that there's, we definitely anticipate that the bills want to keep him on the roster they you know they there's again familiarity there with him and i think a proven ability to to rush the passer i know that it didn't translate into double digit or threatening double digit sack numbers this year but i thought the defensive line as a whole they always seemed like they were missing a component and whether that end ends up being starla tulele and him having the kind of impact that you know a lot of people think that he could potentially have on so many pieces of that defensive line. I think that in a perfect world, they'd like to keep them. And, you know, I, I think that there's plenty of time still um, to negotiate some type of um, deal with Mario Addison for him to kind of take a pay cut or move things around and maybe push some of that money off. I think that that's another thing is, you know, there's other options as well in terms of, adding cap space with the guys that are already under contract for multiple years, Stefan Diggs, Tredavious White, maybe converting some of those, uh, some of those numbers into signing bonus now pushing some of the numbers down the, down the road. So there's, there's ways that they can still go about this, but I think this, this big first, you know, purge a little bit with Brown and, and Jefferson and, and moving around with Morrison Jefferson uh, and Morrison Butler was more so to be able to get into free agency and have the ability to make some moves. I think as they get in there and they need to, you know, I don't see a couple big swings here. I see one big swing. You know what I mean? And what that swing ends up being, I think, is really going to dictate what happens with Mario Addison. Because, you know, if they're able to swing big and land a pass rusher, a Carl Lawson, a Jadavian Clowney, uh, don't everybody sit down in Bill's Mafia, Yannick Ngakwe, who I think that, you know, if you can make enough money out there, I mean, and I know, like, listen, he didn't have a great season. But I want to I want to bring up the fact that with Ngakwe, don't forget about what this guy was in Jacksonville and the interest that people had in him, mm-hmm. um, not only in, within the Bills fan base but around the league when he was a trade candidate. You know, he had a weird year. I mean, going and getting traded, uh, mm-hmm. not liking where he ended up. Then Minnesota having to deal him, and then he ends up in Baltimore, which was a good fit, but never felt like you know he got comfortable. That's a guy that you know is more than worthy of a swing. In my opinion, if you bring up top free agent list, he's going to usually be at the top of, of, of the list. I think Jadavion Clowney, I love the potential price tag there. That's the key for me when it comes to um, Clowney. And I know that, listen, I, he hasn't been great and he hasn't been a high producer, especially considering where he was taken in the draft, but 
the Bills don't really need him to come in here and be a sack artist, if you will. Listen, they had some struggles against the run last year. That's one of his fortes. If you have to worry about Jadavian Clowney, it makes worrying about Jerry Hughes that much more difficult. I think that there's plenty of options, varying degrees of um, financial um, investment. And then maybe if you go for a Clowney, you can really make a, a strong run at Johnny Smith at, you know, and I'm going to turn the floor over to you here, Ryan. I'm split on Johnny Smith, man. I've spent so much time going back and forth, and there's this there's this movement for him, uh, you know, on Bill's Twitter that there's a big collection of people that are are pro Johnny Smith and think that he is going to, with if given the opportunity, is going to you know blossom into a top tier tight end worth the eight to ten million per year. I'm a little, little bit hesitant, but you know, I read a lot of people that I respect and they think that th this guy's ready to break out and be the kind of guy that could be a tight, a, a true tight end one. And if that's what you're getting, then sign me up, but it's gotta be what you're getting. If you're going to pay what he's going to cost. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one other thing real quick about free agency, this is where the legal tampering window is going to be really interesting this year because the Bills, in their attempts to make a big swing on a player, they're going to know before the official free agency begins if they have that edge rusher locked up or, okay, we're going to miss on these guys because they're out of our price range or they want to go to this system, this, whatever the case may be. Then they can turn their attention to another position or go back to a Matt Milano, go to a tight end, whatever the case may be. It's going to be really interesting. And in terms of Johnu Smith specifically, he's intriguing to me. He does everything well. He blocks well. He does great catching the ball. He's outstanding after the catch. Bill Belichick raved about him a few years ago being the best tight end in the league in terms of what he does with the ball in his hands after the catch. So there's a lot there. Now, you just kind of said it perfectly. He's he's ready to explode. He's re you know in the right system. He's ready to blossom. Is Buffalo the right system? I don't know. They're very pass-happy. But when you have Stephon Diggs and you have Cole Beasley and you have Gabriel Davis – I'm not sure this is. I like Johnny Smith a lot as a player. If the Bills sign him, I think that'd be very exciting for this offense. But but I think there are valid points to be made on both sides. And there's still the talk of Dawson Knox. There's a lot of untapped potential there. Uh, you can work with him still in terms of developing his game and bring in someone that's maybe makes a little bit less in free agency, but gives you a little bit more versatility in terms of what personnel you can run. Now, Matt, since we are being a more interactive show tonight, we have some good questions already in the comments. I'm going to pitch this one to you first from Randomly Rufus. Hunter Henry, Romeo Aquara, or Chris Carson, who would you say would most likely end up on the bills of that trio? You know, I, so let's piece our way through this. Let's start with Romeo Aquara because I think that he is – Definitely someone that I think the Bills will be interested in. He had the sack production last year. So if you're putting him, him up against um, uh, Carl Lawson, I think that that's, you know, he kind of, you know, might ra raise up the list a little bit because of the production. And that's what, you know, the free agent market is all about. You know, what did you do last year? What, what are you going to bring to this team? And Romeo Aquara is bringing double-digit sacks for them from, from a Detroit defense that wasn't very good last year. So I think I'd probably rank him above Hunter Henry just because – I, I think Hunter Henry is going to break the bank. I think he's going to get hmm. maybe he's even in a year like this where there's the salary cap is an issue. I think he's going to sneak ahead of what Austin Hooper got in Cleveland last year. And that to me is too much for not a sure thing. And that's my other problem with John Smith. But I want to bring this up before we move on from him. We've talked a little bit about him. 
I want to get him on the show at some point. ESPN's Matt Bowen. I really respect his work. I've listened to him on a bunch of radio hits and podcasts, and he does a really good job. He put out a story about um, best scheme fit, and I'm probably going to put up something on the site about it because John o. Smith is so interesting to me. This whole the, 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 this conversation. He wrote uh, best scheme fit for every position, every player, top free agent players at each position. John o. Smith with the Bills. Smith, who caught eight touchdown passes last season in Tennessee, has the dynamic traits to produce in an offense with more throwing volume and gets that here in Brian Dable's system. In addition to upgrading the position, Smith would give quarterback Josh Allen a boost on middle of the field throws while also occupying safeties to create more one-on-ones for digs. There's a seam stretching ability with Smith plus the run after the catch traits to tack on numbers in the open field. Given Dable's ability to scheme players open in one of the NFL's best red zone packages, Smith could emerge as a top target for Allen inside the 10 yard line. Here's the thing. Lee Smith caught touchdown passes within the 10-yard line. So, you know, when we dive a little bit deeper here with Smith, I think some of the things that he does, I'm okay with giving Dawson Knox another crack at trying to figure out how to be that seam threat. I think that, you know, we had Joe Marino on the show a a little while back here and talked about the traits and the the physical ability of a Dawson Knox. I think maybe he can blossom into some of what Jonu Smith has flashed over the last two years, which by the way, are going to be the next two years of Dawson Knox. Sometimes there's this immediacy. And I think that there's still belief there. I'm really intrigued here. I want to see what they're going to do with the, with this position. And if they take a swing at free agency, because it'll tell you what they think about Dawson Knox, which I still think that they're probably pretty bullish on him. I respect that. And I think that, you know, adding that piece, if it turns out to be what, what Bowen referred to there and, and that he could be great. But as we've talked about, I'm worried about the target share. And if he's not getting that, you know, regular amount of looks, I mean, listen, Dawson Knox went healthy or not when Tyler Croft was in there, whatever the case may be, there just wasn't a lot of looks for the tight ends. And I don't know how much of that, and this is a good question for you, Ryan, what was your impression of that? Was it more of the fact that they weren't reliable, they weren't getting open, or was it more of the fact that that just didn't figure thing into the game plan because Stephon Diggs was getting the ball, Cole Beasley was getting the ball, Gabe Davis was getting the ball? I think it was a mix of both. I think early on in the year, Dawson Knox was going through some of the you know the issues that we've already seen. He's not so much the drops, but the turnovers with the ball, maybe a lack of confidence. Uh, I think the development developmental process has been a bit slow. When, when Tyler Croft came in, he had some good moments, had some good games, but he's not a difference maker out there on the field. He'll he'll catch a few balls, but he's not going to be someone that opposing defenses game plan for. So I think if they have the right personnel, that player can be a good fit. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and you know, answering uh, randomly Rufus's question here myself, I think it's Aquara far and away ahead of these other two in terms of who would most likely end up on the Bills. You said it perfectly with Hunter Henry. I think he's going to make too much money. He's going to offer too much. And he's had some bad luck with injuries in terms of uh, just availability in general. And that's been so big to this uh, regime. And I still see that being a big thing to this regime. Chris Carson, I have a hard time saying go out there and spend big money on a running back. Or, and I don't know what he's going to end up getting. But anything in free agency ends up being a little bit more than you want on a guy like uh, a Chris Carson. I think you'd overspend on him. Uh, I'm not sure how much of an upgrade he is over what they currently have. Uh, And you have so many other pressing needs. I just don't see running back being there unless he sits on the market and it gets to be the second tier, third tier free agency. And then it becomes kind of like a, a let's make a deal, so to speak. And then you can bring him in. 
Um, Steve Rose mentions right now you only have two proven starting O-linemen under contract, and the O-line is first, then edge rusher. I disagree personally. I, I think that edge rusher is far and away the top need, and I, th I say that because I think this is the draft where Brandon Bean heavily goes after offensive linemen, like to the point where, you know, maybe it's crazy, but I think he can maybe draft three offensive linemen depending on how many picks they end up with, if they trade back, who's there. I know they like to go in best player available, but definitely in those later rounds, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes one on day one or two and then comes back with two on day three. Um, so I think that offensive line, depth offensive line is going to be addressed. Now, you say John Feliciano is a free agent. Daryl Williams is a free agent. I think that the, mo the money that they've cleared already and the potential for more probably means that one of those two guys is back. Um, if you ask me for my best guess, and that's all it would be at this point is a guess. I have no inside information, um, despite the fact that we're all scurrying about trying to find it at this point. Um, it would probably be Feliciano. I think it will probably end up being more affordable. He's more versatile, and I think you have more options at right tackle. You have Cody Ford on the roster. You like Ike Bucker. You're probably tender him or bring him back under some kind of arrangement he's developed here they've cut him before and he's come back he's really ingrained in the system here i think ike bucker makes it back on the roster and he's in the mix for one of the guard spots then you talk about cody ford and who knows where he's going to end up at this point i know that you know best laid plans are probably guard you probably don't want to have to move him out to tackle again but you have that ace in the hole if you need to put him back out there Ryan, listen, for all the things that have been said about Cody Ford, and I get it if you don't think he's a guard, and we can talk about all the different things he doesn't do maybe good enough to be effective out there. He's a former second-round pick who has really never gotten a chance to be in every down tackle in this league yet. So really, in a lot of ways, we don't know what it'll look like. 16 games, full snap count. So I think that that's kind of in their back pocket there. So for all intents and purposes – you got your left side of the line pretty much probably intact. And depending on what you want to do with Cody Ford, what kind of versatility Bucker has, which I think he can move over to the right side if you needed him to, if you like uh, Cody Ford. Then you got to address the left tackle or the right tackle position. And I know that Daryl Williams is probably in the mix there, but if they have to address that in the draft, I don't think that would be the worst things. And, and don't forget, every time Ryan Bates has gotten into a game, he's been a really good football player. Yeah, I'm not concerned about the offensive line, and I'm going to use a little comparison here. My wife loves to bake. Our pantry has more cake mixes than we know what to do with it. For Brendan Bean, offensive linemen are his cake mix. Every year, he goes out and he brings in a plethora of offensive linemen, Ooh, starters, plethora. backups. He always has this competition going on, and I'm expecting it to be the same this year. Now, the guard position is what intrigues me the most. You already mentioned there's Cody Ford. Ike Butker's a restricted free agent. Uh, John Feliciano could return. Here's the thing about Feliciano and guards in general that's intriguing to me. You've been paying attention to the market. I know you have, Matt. But, but listen to these names already. Richie Incognito, ah, Richie Incognito, Kevin Zeitler, Gabe Jackson. Those are three quality players that have already been cut recently. Now, Incognito, he's not going to come back. He, the way things ended in Buffalo, it's not happening. Andrew Norwell is going to most likely get cut. He There's not going to be, I don't see a team trading for him in that salary. Trey Turner is going to get cut. There's already a lot, a lot of 
plethora. A lot uh, of a plethora. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so th- there's already a lot of starting guards that are out there on the market right now, and that could water down the markets for some of these players. And I'm not going to sit here and say that John Feliciano is going to take less to come back to Buffalo. But the, as more and more of these guards hit the market, one or two of these guys are going to end up taking a salary less than what they're hoping to make out there in free agency. And Brendan Bean will swoop in and sign a few of them. He likes to find those guys that have starting experience. They, he hopes that they stick. He hopes that they can provide either starting experience or they can be a, sol, a solid, reliable backup. He always goes after the offensive lineman. So personally, I'm not worried about it. You mentioned that every year there's that next man up man mentality. Ryan Bates could be that guy. I still think Trey Adams needs another year in the system before I even start talking about him being a possible player that can be that guy, but maybe he surprises and he's a swing tackle option. Uh, I'm not saying he's ready to be a starter yet, but maybe he can be a swing tackle and be in that conversation. There are players on this team and and Bates could be that swing tackle option too. So it's going to be really intriguing. Indeed. Um, if you're participating in the YouTube chat, if you're watching on Facebook or on Twitter, thank you very much. This is going to be a fun show. We, we're kind of diving into some free agency discussion. And whatever you guys got, want to talk about tonight, we're going to open up the phone lines, if you will, uh, shortly here at the top of the hour and take some fan questions. Um, if you want to get involved, uh, if you're in the YouTube comments and you're like, man, I, w- I want to get in. I want to, I want to ask, ask a question or talk a little bit. DM me on Twitter if you can. And I'll see if I'll see if we can't get you in here. Um, I, I'm excited to talk a lot about a couple of things before we get to that at the top of the hour, though. I want to hit on Josh Allen. Um, Dak Prescott signed a massive um, extension this week, and it's a it's a gamble in a little ways, and not only from an injury perspective, but I'm still not sure. Despite watching him in person, despite watching him over the last couple of years, how what's the you know long-term sustainability of a Dak Prescott as an elite quarterback? And you know, there's so many different opinions about him and what he what he's accomplished to this point, how good I mean, let's be honest, the team that he was on last year, I mean, he was he was torching the league and the the talent around him just you know wasn't meeting what he was able to do. Well, the Cowboys are all in on Dak, and that kind of shifts focus to the folks that are going to get to be next in line at 140 uh, or 40 million dollars a season for Dak, 45 a season for Patrick Mahomes. I tweeted out that I think Josh Allen's going to land somewhere in the middle there, but now it's about when's it going to happen because he's going to get paid, no doubt about it. Whenever it happens, I know that there's some people that are worried about a regression. Let's get into when you think it should happen first, and then we'll talk about numbers. I think it should happen this offseason if Brandon Bean can make the money work. And that's the big F, especially when the salary cap is going down drastically uh, compared to what they thought it would be. You mentioned it. He's going to make 40, 40 plus million dollars as a, you know the face of this franchise. And that's just the, the going rate for quarterbacks in today's NFL. But the longer you wait, the more he's going to make. Even if he takes a slight step back next year and the Bills don't resign him, he's still going to make a lot of money and still going to be near that $40 million range. But if he goes ahead and he, and he has another great season, well, then you might it might be another million, $2 million added on to what you could have had him for this offseason. So, yeah, there's a, a pretty big but added on to this. But it should get done this season if they have the money and they can work it out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, listen, if they put this together, I mean, most of it's not going to really be in place until, you know, for, for a few years. And I think that, you know, getting it done with him, it's only going to get more expensive, number one. And number two, I think that you, you've learned enough in three years. The development has been there. The, the pieces are in place around him, not just from a roster perspective. I know John Brown's going to be gone, but we we saw what Gabriel Davis was able to do. And the fact that this offense was still humming, even with John Brown out of the lineup for a big chunk of the second half of the season. Uh, the, the key components are still there. Brian Dable, Ken Dorsey. I mean, you know, at least for the the fourth se- the senior season, if you will, for Josh Allen. So I think that you're at this point that even if there's a slight regression, and I was talking a little bit about this on Twitter, you know, how bad does the regression have to be for you to not want to ink them to the long-term deal and the confidence being there that you're going to get something better by not doing it? I, I just think that the long-term sustainability of a Josh Allen – you know, even the, you know, that even if you take something of the, the mean, if you will, from his first three years, I still think is uh, the quality of type of starting quarterback in this league. that's going to be really good for a long time. I could be proven wrong. Whoever thinks that could be proven wrong. Maybe, maybe there is a Carson Wentz type situation um, that the potential for that, there's always the potential for that. There's always the potential for an injury like Dak Prescott suffered who knows what kind of quarterback he's going to be when they come back but sometimes i think you just have to gamble a little bit the bills gambled big time on drafting josh allen when they did there was a lot of questions about him some people were super high in the draft world on josh allen but not everybody was and you know it's probably going to go down in history as one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in you know draft history that's ended up making brandon bean look pretty smart. And so I think a guy like that, that you gambled on that has rewarded you for that gamble. I think it's safe to take another risk in buying in and and extending them. Yeah, I agree completely again. And how many times have they taken? Yeah, that's why I muted myself. There's the train going through that, that nine o'clock train. So here it is. Love it. Um, Yeah. That's they listen to the shout podcast. They watch us live. And when they're going by Ryan's house, they just want to let them know. That's right. But, you know, you said it. They took a gamble on him. It's paid off. And we've seen the Bills take many gambles, different regimes, obviously, and different quarterbacks that have not paid off. The Bills have been waiting for a franchise quarterback since Jim Kelly retired a long term. They've, they've had some stop gaps in the Drew Bledsoe's of the world. Uh, and Tyrod Taylor was a quality quarterback. But they, they have not had a franchise guy. So now that you actually are on the doorstep of having this guy here long term, you, you can't back away now. You have to pay the man his money. He is due for it. So the Bills just have to figure out, you know, when is the right time? And like I said, if this was a typical year, which nothing's been, you know, ordinary in 2020, 2021, that would have been number one priority in this offseason, in my opinion. Can they get it done? I think Brendan Bean could find a way. Uh, if they do, though, you know, it's just kind of a wait and see, but I would love to see it get done this season rather than next year where it could cost them some more money. All right, let's go to the phones. If you will, we'll actually go to the video chat because our first, it looks like our first uh, caller uh, has got the video going. Dean Penman, what's up, my man? What's up? How you guys doing? We're awesome, man. Thanks for coming in. You're the inaugural caller, if you will. Feel good. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) I just got done watching that college basketball. I'm a big Xavier fan. I went to Xavier. Big loss tonight. So good. Oh, not so good for the Syracuse. Syracuse. There you go. There you go. Syracuse.com. Yeah. You know, uh, you know your stuff. All right. Hit us with it. What do you want to talk about? 
So, I mean, the first question for me would be, you know, if you had a choice at 30, quarterback two, right tackle. I mean, for me, it'd be right tackle because of the depth there. But I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts. I'll let you kind of take the lead on this, Ryan. I'm so – I'm so unprepared to go there yet. And I know our, our one of our, <laughs> our, our regulars is going to get mad at me about this. He's, he's in the, he's in the green room right now. Uh, Cause he's Mr. Draft, but I'm not there yet. I really need to see what they do in, in, in free agency. I'm I, listen, I wouldn't be shocked if they take a swing on a cornerback. Even I know we talked about mm-hmm. um, an edge rusher or a tight end, but you know, that cornerback two spots been kind of, an area of kind of rotating, you know, doors from the sense that they never really wanted to hand the job to Levi Wallace as much as they've kept him around. And I think solidifying that spot, you know, after uh, an AFC championship game where that those speed players and, and, and skill players really made the Buffalo Bills defense, you know, they embarrassed them a little bit. So I think that mm-hmm. addressing cornerback, if you can, there's a couple guys out there. One of the things I think that they want is, speed they want quickness and they want physicality and a, and, and a cornerback that's going to hit you i think that that's one of the reasons they like dane jackson mm-hmm. i just wonder if the traits are there to to believe in him to hand the job over to him if you will um but cornerback two is in play to me in free agency and the draft yeah i agree with that the one reason i'm going to say right tackle i think is going to maybe be higher up on that list is i can see the bills going out in free agency and signing a veteran option someone that could start if they can't land that guy but i i think at the end of round one you're going to have some intriguing options and tevin jenkins has been the one prospect that's been in the mock drafts lately the mm-hmm. bills have met with him they like him uh there's a liam eichenberg there's some other players too eichenberg could even slip into round two to be quite honest but there's going to be some options there for immediate starters at right tackle you're paying Deion dawkins big money if you have a veteran that can kind of compete for that role, I would try to get that long-term right tackle in now, work them into the system. Not that a cornerback two would not be beneficial because, you know, Matt touched upon that. There's Trey White's getting big money. You have your cornerback number one. Every year you seem to be rotating that cornerback two where Levi Wallace is competing against some kind of veteran. It's been EJ Gaines. Uh, it's been Vontae Davis for a half of football. It, it's been guys like Kevin Johnson and and obviously this year Josh Norman. I think the Bills stick with that recipe though, and they go to free agency mm-hmm. and they add a veteran that's right. going to be on the cheaper side. They're not. I don't think they're going to go out and go big on on a cornerback. They're going to find someone with upside that they think fits the system because they like Dane Jackson a lot. Brendan Bean pretty much gushed about him on the Pro Football Focus podcast. Yeah. I think they, they want to bring a vet that can compete with him, that can compete with the Levi Wallace, who I also think they'll bring back as a restricted free agent. Uh, but, you know, cornerback is an appealing option. Uh, Ify Malifawanu is another player that had a really good meeting with the Bills at the Senior Bowl. He's been projected in that round one, round two range. So maybe the Bills can get the best of both worlds and get that right tackle and then a cornerback back to back and kind of get set up there long term in both positions. Do you think Sherman's too expensive for that CB2? I, I personally do. Oh, ooh. oh, you do? Oh, I do. Okay. I do. All right. I, I like it when we disagree. You I know? do. So it, Valentine's Day is over, Ryan. Sometimes we got to take off the you know rose right. colored glasses and, and disagree a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, I I just think that Sherman is still gonna going to command a respectable high end salary somewhere, even if it's for one year. He makes so much sense with the Jets reuniting with yeah, him as former coaches. Um, 
and then his former coordinator yeah, too. Uh, to, but does he want to go to the Jets and just just suck? I mean, they're not going <laughs> to be great good question. next year. I really don't know yeah. what they're. You know, I, I know he's going to try to build the culture and change the kind of dynamic in the building. But signing up for one year with the Jets is signing up for one year of probably finishing last in the AFC East. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think that from that perspective, and it, listen. You're right. The cost could be crazy, but if you want to take a swing there in free agency and you want a kind of a fit, especially in that CB2 role, I wouldn't be. And I think that Sherman would be the type of guy in this kind of environment, this kind of year to come in here at one year, 8 million, one year, 9 million. It's a, it's a, it's a pricey, you know, a pill to swallow, but coming off a year where you paid six million to Josh Norman, I think it's stomachable. Dean, we got to move on. We got to get through these things. Man, thanks okay. so much for coming in. Yeah. Later, buddy. All right, let's get Caleb in here. What's up, my man? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Enjoying the show so far? Great, great. Yeah, we are. Hope you are as well. So, opposite of the last guest, I'm a St. John's fan. So, you know, we're rooting Ooh. for to get to the tournament. Uh, All right. But so, some tight end questions. I know Brandon Bean obviously emphasize how they don't have like a guy at tight end who really scares you at the end of the season press conference. And I would, and there's been so much talk. You guys mentioned earlier how a lot of Bill's Twitter is kind of on the Johnu Smith train. There's a lot of guys now who, who like Hunter, Hunter Henry, but I don't think like either of those guys are complete game changers. So in a limited cap year, what do you think the chances are the Bills draft the tight end early? I was thinking like a trade back from 30 to mid second round. I like the, tight end out of Penn State or even later a little bit, uh, Brevin Jordan from Miami. Um, what are your thoughts on being kind of taking a tight end early on in the draft? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. Mm-hmm. Tight end, in my opinion, and just my opinion, is the toughest position to get immediate impact out of. And I think that Kyle Pitts is going to be the exception to the rule. I think he's going to come in year one, be a be a factor for whatever team drafts him. But there's such a big difference from the college game to the pro game that if the Bills are truly feel they're in the Super Bowl window now, I'm not sure that spending one of their top two picks on the position is in the cards. Now, the names that you mentioned, both of them would be tremendous talent-wise and could end up being great assets to this team. I'm just not sure it's there. You, you know, if they still do believe in Dawson Knox, you can you can make a move for a, a different kind of veteran. There's a Dan Arnold that isn't going to command as much money uh, as the higher end uh, free agents that are out there. There's Kyle Rudolph if you're looking for someone that can do a little bit of everything. Not that game changer by any means, but a legitimate weapon in the red zone. Someone that does not drop balls. Someone that can block, even though he didn't want to be in that blocking role in the last uh, year or so in, in Minnesota. He can do it all-around game is there. So uh, they have some other options that are just kind of out there right now that I think are more appealing. And, and, you know, I did see someone in the comments mention Zach Ertz. I could stomach that salary that that he has if if it's going to cost a day three pick to bring him in. And then if that works out in that one year, then you could talk about a, you know, bringing him back for an extended deal long-term. So as much as I like some of the talent at tight end in this year's draft, I'm just not sure you get the immediate impact out of them that Brendan Bean is going to be looking for with those first two, three picks in this year's draft. Yeah. And if you don't take a swing on one of these top guys or Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, you really got to rely on your pro personnel guys, I think, to kind of find that 
tight or that tight end that could come in here and play the role that you want. Um, and, and, and really we need some more insight into what the bills want. And it's one thing I'm looking forward to do to doing with Brandon B next time we get to talk to him is, you know, they want to go back to the drawing board, look at personnel, but look at what they did scheme wise and see if they have to make any changes. If they want to run more 12 personnel, well, you're going to need a reliable second tight end, maybe even a tight end one, if you will. And I think that that, you know, kind of becomes more of your focus this this offseason is making sure that you have a guy that if Dawson Knox doesn't take the step that you need him to take, that you have somebody that you can rely upon in that role. But at the same time, I keep coming back to look at this wide receiver room. Look at the unknowns about what's coming back next year. I mean, we don't know what Isaiah Hodgins is going to be. There's a lot of draft experts that came out and said, man, I would have flipped Hodgins and, and Gabe Davis where they were drafted and I would have been fine with it. And so there's I think there's high hopes for Hodgins as well. And where he fits in is a little bit more, um, you know, up in the air. He's not that speed guy down the field. I don't even think really Gabriel Davis is. Um, and, and really John Brown, he's a lot more versatile than people give you cre- give him credit for. I don't think that they're necessarily, you know, after toying with the idea of maybe a guy like a, a John Ross, who is a real sexy name because of the, the big time speed. <laughs> Caleb's like, I'm on the John I, Ross train. I, I'm all on the John Ross chain, train because he's cheap. You probably would if, like if he didn't even make the team, you could cut him. And it's like, it's a it's a low risk, potentially high reward signing. It's like, what else could you? It's Will Fuller, but you know, a third of the price probably. But I'm all. I on mean, I one of my friends is actually going to be on this later, and he is the complete opposite of me. He hates, does not want. <laughs> we argue about it all the time. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, this is going awesome, Caleb. Thank you so much for for jumping on here, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Have a good one, guys. You too. You too. All right. So let's get to our next guest, the man. If you don't follow this dude on, on Instagram, you're missing out because every time the Bills win, he posts like this IG story of just like badass. Like it's like this cool little thing that he does and it gets people hyped up. It gets the people going. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, man? When you're over 40, you got to find, you know, sh- stuff like that to do. It's about to curse. <laughs> <laughs> you can curse, man. It's late. This is after dark. This is late night. <laughs> but see, before the game, I'm a complete wreck because I have to run four miles. So I just, I don't like get sick all over myself. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what, what are you thinking here? Big, big day of activity, a couple days out from free agency. What's on your mind? Oh, I mean, it was kind of a for it was for foregone conclusion about those two guys. Uh, it, the writing was on the wall, especially in the climate with the way the cap is, and everybody's dealing with it. So no team can pull this card that we had something to deal with. 32 teams had to deal with the same thing. And if you were in a bad spot before, you're in even a worse one now. I mean, the Saints are going to field half of a undrafted free agency <laughs> team. <laughs> but everybody's in panic mode, worrying about this, worrying about that, because it's the first time the Bills have had a good team in a while. Bean? constructed this team along with McDermott. They found Milano in the fifth round. Nobody expected anything from Daryl Williams when he was signed. He might have been a guard for all they know. They, he might have been a cut option. And look what they got out of him. I expect them to go out, do their due diligence, and find people unless you know they're going to keep these guys or replace them. So I'm not worried. I like it. I like it. I like the, I like the, uh, the optimism. I like the, um, you know, you really look at this roster and this team and sometimes it's easy to forget when you transition to off season mode, that all the success that they had last year, there's a lot of pieces that I think are lingering in the mix. And I think a lot of people are like, 
who's going to be the replacement for Matt Milano. And like, I think you forget about the fact that they really, really like Tyrell Dotson and what role that ends up being. I don't know. Like I, I, I think that in a lot of ways, they kind of like them at the mic spot and as that maybe depth mic spot position. And, you know, we'll see how things transpire with Tremaine Edmonds and obviously some struggles there. I think year four is going to be very big for him. Uh, fifth year option coming up here. Uh, the decision on that, I anticipate they're going to um, exercise that. But, you know, there's options on this team. I think AJ Klein played well. I think that you have some some cushion if you want to try to go into next season. If you're able to add on the defensive line, where I think is the most important, I think linebacker becomes secondary. You just try to find fast guys in the draft, guys that can tackle, guys that you know are quick, easier said than done, and kind of fill that hole rather than going to another year without addressing what I think is the, the main need. Yep, well said. And, you know, going back to the draft talk, they've added guys late. Uh, Gabriel Davis, round four. You mentioned Matt Milano, round five. Tyler Bass was a major contributor this year late in the draft. Uh, undrafted free agents they've had stick on this roster. Levi Wallace all the way up to Reggie Gilliam this past year. So they do a great job of doing their due diligence, not just in the dra- uh, free agency, but also the draft. Uh, I, I was talking about the offensive line earlier and how they always find guys that can come in and compete. Uh, when they signed John Feliciano, I think a lot of people didn't know much about him a few off seasons ago, and you saw how well he took to this roster and this team. So the, the fan base should have a lot of confidence in Brendan Bean based on what he's done. And until you know, until they have a bad season or a bad off season, there's no reason to doubt this guy right now. Not what else you got, Mark? Oh, well, you guys hit on everything. I think that, you know, the total opposite of what's going on with uh, the Bills, look at the Giants. Um, Gettleman's in year four. They don't know about their quarterback. They're in cap hell. The guy that they passed over quarterbacks for to hang on to Eli, I mean, are flourishing. Baker had a rebound year. Josh had a huge breakout year. Um, I mean, just just look south if you want to see bad football because it's only four miles down the road for me with the Giants and the Jets. <laughs> So I think those fans are, they're set up for a a decade of um, enjoyable football. If if you look at it, if you're really, if you look at the the next closest team in that division was the Dolphins and you saw what the Bills backups did to them in the second half of a must win week 17. And that team had no confidence in that quarterback. And you guys were there to watch it. I was watching it on TV. That team had no heart once they went down by 14-0. Pet that cat for me, my friend. We'll, we'll we'll do this again soon. We'll get John. We'll get John again soon. We'll talk some MMA too. Take care, girl. Later, dude. All right, let's bring him on. The King. What's up, Jay Spence? The King. What's up, brother? Not much. How you guys doing? Good. We're just chilling, man. We're we we, we just kind of went off the cuff tonight. There's so many things happening. So many things to talk about. Yeah. I wanted to involve uh, some fans tonight. Change it up a little bit. How are you? Yeah. I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited. The the year is starting as far as football, so I'm kind of getting back into the swing of things. I took a break after uh after the Bills lost, so <laughs> it was it was rough, man. It was a rough year. <laughs> I understand. So, I guess quick shout out while you're on the show. Some some housekeeping now. Are you and Joe back together on Buffalo Rumblings? Did, did I see that? That's the case. Yes, now, are you Joe doing a show on. together? Or we're are actually you still gonna, doing your separate um, shows? We're going to bring the Hump Day Hotline back starting next week. We were actually going to try to do it tonight, but our schedules just didn't kind of line up. So uh, starting next week, we're going to bring that back. Joe, I believe he's going to be doing his podcast live and then, you know, uh, re- 
putting it up you know to for everybody to listen audio version so yeah we got a lot of stuff coming to the youtube channel over at buffalo rumblings man please go and and subscribe if you haven't already it's got a lot of good content this season coming up we always we we, we i mean you guys are like our you know our, our cousins over at buffalo yeah, Rumblings. Yeah. we got bruce exclusive on here jay spence yeah. uh we gotta get joe on here eventually anthony marino has been on the show before uh, he actually texted me tonight he said he, he wanted to get in but he was he was driving so he couldn't get on too late but Great stuff over there. You guys are doing some fun stuff. What do you want to talk about, Bills? Well, I was uh, the question I had, actually, our friend uh, Caleb earlier kind of stole my question, man. He was talking about <laughs> the receivers and the tight ends. But that's okay. I, I have uh, plenty of questions to go around, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tug at the heartstrings of Bills fans for a second. I know it's probably never going to happen, but what do you think the um, – how how likely or unlikely do you think it could be that the Bills could look to upgrade our backup quarterback position? Oh, I know um, that Spence. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, maybe not. I'm sorry. No, I'm so <laughs> glad you asked that, bro. That was that was literally like when I was putting together the outline before I scrapped the outline, and I just wanted to kind of freewheel it here tonight. I wanted to get into this because I talked about it on the Rockpile Report uh, yesterday. I went on their show. Yep, yep. And I want to talk about this. So go ahead, finish what you're saying. Well, the first half of it is obviously like the Bills fan in me. I love Fitz. So like I saw that there wasn't much interest in Fitz from what it was the report was. How likely do you think a reunion could be for a backup role for Fitz to come back to Buffalo? And then if not Fitz, you know, who would you look at for an upgrade to uh, Matt Barkley? All right. Let me start here, Ryan, because I've been I've been sitting on this all day <laughs> with excitement. I'm going to I'm I'm going to rain on the parade a little bit and say that. I'm out on the Fitzpatrick reunion, number one, because it's going to cost way too much money, I think. I mean, even if you're talking about like seven, six million dollars, I think with the other things that you probably want to try to do this offseason, I don't think the funds are there. And I think that the they've been grooming the backup quarterback here. I think it's going to be Davis Webb. I think they're going oh. into this offseason with a plan of we're going to bring back Davis Webb, Jake Fromm. Maybe Matt Barkley on a veteran minimum deal, bring him to camp, let him, he's earned the right to compete for it and say, all right, we're either going to see our our second year quarterback that we spent a fifth round draft pick on secure this job, win this job and be the backup to Josh Allen. Or we're going to see the, a guy in Davis Webb who's literally could be a, a, a quarterback's coach in this league already. They went down to um, Miami last year, and he basically ran the thing like he was Brian Brian Dable's uh, uh, assistant offensive coordinator. So this guy, what's so important about a backup quarterback? What's the most important thing? That he can keep everything going. He knows the responsibilities, not only of the quarterback, but everybody around him. Wide receiver, running back, tight end, offensive line. This guy is in, on the practice field. When he's not taking quarterback reps, he's running over to be, you know, the mock cornerback or the mock edge rusher with the offensive lineman or, you know, the mock safety or whatever the thing is. The guy's got a, he's super high football IQ. I think that, you know, they, Sean McDermott's raved about his potential to be a coach. I think that they love what they have in him. And we still haven't even seen what he potentially could do in the NFL because he hasn't really gotten a shot yet. Well, I guess that's what I was going to ask you because I haven't seen him. And I know you get the opportunity um, to, you know, go and kind of see practices sometimes when when the media is, is able to go in. Is is he do you think his ability will match? You know, obviously, Matt Barkley and nothing against him, but obviously it, it won't be too many guys that we bring in that you wouldn't think would be an upgrade. Um, so do you mm -hmm. think that Davis would be an upgrade? I think he would be a, an upgrade on Matt Barkley in the sense that, you know, 
it's hard to say because we really haven't seen enough of Matt Barkley. I don't even think. I also think I have this thing where I think people spend too much time on on on, on pointless things. Josh Allen goes down. You get Marcus Mariota in here. I, the Bills aren't going to the Super Bowl. They're not winning a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. call me crazy. Nick Foles is a once in a lifetime type of story where where you can have somebody. You know, uh, financially it works, and it, you know, obviously that wasn't a cap, you know, strapped year like this year that, that we have. Um, I think Webb becomes an upgrade, um, just in the sense that I think he could probably do a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more mobile, which probably opens up a little bit more of the playbook than what Matt Barkley can do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I he probably's got a little bit better of an arm. I'd kind of like to see them in the preseason this year to really evaluate it a little bit more, but. Um, I just like everything else that I've heard about Davis Webb. And I think a big part of it is having the mental fortitude to go in there when the starter goes out and being able to remember everything under the pressure. And Matt Barkley's been in this league a long time. He's gone through a lot of things. I just think to your point, he's a little bit more limited. So I'd like to, I'd like to see the chance, especially in a year like this, where you got to save money. I mean, they, they can, they can have Davis Webb on the, on the roster for peanuts. If it comes down to that from as well. So Ryan, well, let's let Ryan get in here. What do you, what are your <laughs> thoughts on this? Well, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Barkley was back first and foremost. I think that one, he, he fits in, in terms of, knowing the system, having a knowledge of the system. The, the fact that when he has played with the starters, he's looked pretty good. There was one game where he played poorly, but it was when he was with the backups week uh, 17 last season. So when he's had the starters, he's played fairly well. And Matt kind of touched upon it. When your starter goes down, your season's practically over if it's for a long period of time. Uh, you look around the final four of this league. Chad Henney did enough in, in the divisional round to help the Chiefs defeat the Browns. So, you know, he, he did a good job there. But if Patrick Mahomes went down for four weeks, five weeks, I don't think you'd be expecting Chad Henney to win the majority of those games. And then all of a sudden the Chiefs are in a hole. Uh, I don't even know. I can't think of Green Bay's backup right now because it was not Jordan Love. Jordan Love was technically their number three. They had uh, some veteran there as their backup. Uh, Tom Brady's backup was, you know, uh, not a very good player either, uh, as, as a lot of people would attest. So there's only so many quality quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in this league. So finding a good backup's hard to find. I obviously think that they could go out there and they could look, but it has to be someone that's going to make comparable money to Matt Barkley. You can't break the bank on a backup when you're trying to add a playmaker at edge or you're trying to address the loss of Matt Milano or Daryl Williams or whatever the case may be. Uh, so some lower-end guys that I think won't break the bank and are still a little bit younger, maybe maybe the Bills like their upside. There's still a C.J. Beathard. Uh, th- there is a Nick Mullins, both off the 49ers, both played for a very smart coach there in Kyle Shanahan. So someone that they know could come in, pick up Kyle, uh, pick up Brian Dable's system uh, pretty well if they could pick up Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, no one that's going to wow you. But like Matt said, once your starter goes down, if it's for any extended period of time, the party's pretty much over at that point in time. Yeah. Jay Spence, the king. I got to get you out of here because we got to get to a, a couple more people hey, in line. Thanks things, for joining bro. us, you man. Too. I appreciate Thank it. You guys. Love you guys. All right, brother. All right, let's get Lou in here. Um, see if I can get him here. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, man. How are you? Just uh, We're just making our way. And I apologize to people that are in the waiting room. I think we're a little bit behind in schedule. So people went a little bit longer. But this is kind of a cool thing. I, I thought three minutes per person, but it's evolving. So hang in there. We'll get to everybody. Um. So... After watching the championship, oh, by the way, Caleb, I'm the guy that Caleb was talking about. <laughs> nice. okay. He's he's crazy. He keeps talking about John Ross replacing John Brown. I think he's nuts. But <laughs> watching the championship game, I came away with like three takeaways. 
One, I think that the Bills need to add another playmaker. Now, I keep mentioning, you know, it could be a Travis Etienne or it could be a Najee Harris. It doesn't necessarily have to be a running back. I just think that what Travis Etienne offers as a running back is like more of what you see from a Kamara or a McCaffrey where they do more than just, you know, running the football. Two, I think that what we saw, we even saw it in the Super Bowl. They need they need pass rush help. I mean, we, we, we put so much money into the defensive line and we don't get the sack production. They could get the pass rush win rate. I don't really care about that. I want, I want sacks. I want Mahomes running around, you know, running for his life. Like he was, like we saw in the Super Bowl. and three, we need more speed. Right. And I think that with not a lot of cap space, it's like the bills almost have to choose where they want to spend the money because I want them to get that playmaker. We have we have Allen, we have Diggs, but what, what do we see with the Chiefs? They have Mahomes, they have Hill, they have Kelsey. Those are three guys. We have two. You see the Packers, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. That's three. I think we're lacking that one playmaker where we become even better and we're deadly. But then again, we I still want that pass rusher. So it's like where do we where do we, where do we even that out? I think you can even out between the, the draft and free agency. So, you know, edge rusher, I don't think you're going to find that in the draft yet. Number 30, especially. Don't get me wrong. There there have been some gems that have been found late round one, round two range. But more times than not, you're going to you're not going to find that edge rusher that can come in, be an immediate difference maker. So spend your money on the edge rusher and then look for those playmakers in the draft. And it doesn't have to be a Travis Etienne in round one. It could be a Daz Newsome on, on day three. Uh, a player that the Bills really like, supposedly. They, they had a Zoom with him. They, they're going to be at his pro day coming up here soon. Uh, it could be a Felton out of UCLA, the running back wide receiver, who, again, playmaker, uh, return ability, a little bit, does a little bit of everything. So find someone that you think is going to fit the system on offense that can be that Swiss Army knife, so to speak, and, and come in, be that difference maker for a few plays a game, keep defenses on their heels, and then find that edge rusher in free agency. And I like their like ability to maybe find some talent as teams continue to whittle away at their own rosters. Like, you know, Isaiah McKenzie is, you know, maybe an an under talked about um player that they they scooped off of Denver's practice squad and were able to kind of find a role for him and to figure out how to best use him in their offense. And I also think they have a better grasp of what they have in the backfield now and how they have to utilize Zach Moss and Devin Singletary moving forward, or at least you would think coming off of this last season. Um, I, I do think they need to add another playmaker, but I think that, that the playmaker to me is more the draft and the free agency to me is finding an impact player on defense, whether that be an edge rusher or whether it be a cornerback too. Yeah, where do you, you, sit, do you value – because for me – it's like if we're not going to have that pass rush, well, then we better be able to cover. Right. But the problem is we weren't able to get to the quarterback in terms of sacks. And then, you know, we have Trey, we have Corey, we have Hyde. But then who's good? It almost seemed like they always targeted Levi. Mm-hmm. So well, whoever's over there is going to get targeted. Like unless yeah. unless you go out there and get Richard Sherman, he just starts picking picking balls off over, all over the time. Yeah. You know, people are not going to – quarterbacks are not going to consistently target Tredavious White. But to your point, having somebody better there that's that's able to more consistently make plays, I think it changes the course of things. And I think that takes some of the pressure off the pass rush as well. Uh, so I think that, you know, listen, if they can't make a – I think they probably want to make a big swing at either of those spots if they can in free agency. And I'm, 
I, I'm putting edge rusher higher on the list because I think that they need that group as a whole to be better this year. But if they if they have to say if they hey man if they, they have an inside track maybe even a Jason Verrett who I think fits that kind of mold of what you're looking for that that jam you at the line of scrimmage really good zone corner that will hustle to the ball will tackle and you know apply pressure and then let him come in and compete with a Dane Jackson to me you know that's that's a win and so uh, and, and then maybe you try to address edge in the draft I don't know uh, we gotta keep moving Lou thanks so much my friend appreciate you man. All right, let's keep going. And if I go out of order here, I'm so sorry. Um, what's up, Zero? What's going on, man? Can you hear me? I think he's in the stream here. Zero? Zero? It says Is zero that me? Oh, it's Xera. <laughs> Xera, okay. there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a dumb handle from forever ago because I was going to make my username on BillZone the Bills quarterback that was so great slash era. And when we had so many that were so bad, it just became X era. So I like that. all right. Sorry. Yeah. About that. Sorry for the confusion. So it, I wanted to um, drop a little bit of information on you guys and maybe talk about the draft a little bit. So I did a little bit of homework on spot rack and mm -hmm. um, last year. And these numbers are going to be rough because obviously the cap has changed last year. We spent, not we, the league spent roughly $930 million in year one cap hit. That's just the spending throughout the league last year. This year, there was only roughly $510 million available in cap space to even be spent mm -hmm. with another $330 million in teams that are over the cap that have to get to the cap. So the translation to me that I think is playing itself out and is going to be playing out for the near future here is there's going to be a lot of really great players out there mm -hmm. that all this money's going to get eaten up quick and a really smart team like the Bills with Bean are going to wait and get really great deals potentially on I'm thinking like offensive line upgrades like maybe Feliciano is gone but we end up with like a Zietler or somebody like that for way less than would normally be on like a year one, a one year low cap hit deal or a low year one cap hit longer deal sort of thing. I no, think that's a great observation, yeah. man. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head again. Uh, I, I think they make a big swing for an edge rusher. But then after that, and even if, especially if they get the edge rusher, then they do the sit back and they wait and they see who becomes available. And the other thing is, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills don't just sit back and wait and see who becomes available, but they also target some of these recently re released players, like a Zeitler, uh, like a Gabe Jackson, because those players don't factor into the compensatory picks. And the Bills right yes. now are set up to possibly get some of those next year, with Matt Milano possibly walking, with Daryl Williams possibly walking. Both guys are expected to, to get big salaries. So Brendan Bean's a smart guy. He's going to want an extra third-round pick if he can get it. So if he can make a big splash early, sit back, and then grab some of these guys that are getting released by other teams that fit, especially on offensive line. He loves his offensive linemen that have starting experience that can come in and compete. I, I think that right now what you said is perfect. I, I, would, I could see Brendan Bean doing that in free agency this year. Yeah, and I honestly believe that I think Daryl Williams comes back. Obviously, he's an ex-Panther. I think that one-year deal that he signed, he got stuck behind Trey Turner and uh, Moten. And he didn't play that well, and we all know that. It was a one-year deal. Then he finally comes to us because there was a group of us that wanted him years ago and played really well. 
I think he stays with us over Feliciano. But on the edge rush piece, and maybe even a little bit in the draft, I like. Uh, I saw a comment that Daniel Jeremiah made just the other day where he was talking about the way that the spread is so prevalent now and the way the ball is coming out so quick that I honestly believe that even the Bills, and Bean mentioned it about being a little light on the defensive line, I actually like the version where they start getting bigger, stronger, and faster, uh, both versus the run and to push the pocket, maybe collapse the pocket versus trying to get edge around the edge rush. So, like, that's why I was so all about Watt. But other players, like maybe even Carlos Dunlap, these bigger, stronger defensive ends, you put them in the seven-man front, you have the four guys standing there doing their job, eating up gaps and blocks, and even pushing the pocket to make the guy move or make a decision, make the quarterback move or make a decision, and allowing your linebackers to roam and move. I think they they might go bigger and stronger um, at the point this year at defensive end. I think that's that's a cool idea as well, and it's one it's one thing that I keep coming back to when I was doing the top top free agent targets. One name that kept sticking out on me, and I wanted to put him in the, you know, out out of your price range type of tier is Dalvin Tomlinson because if you go and watch his his tape over in in New York, that dude does exactly what you just said. He's physical at the point of attack. He pushes the pocket. He gets in the face of quarterbacks. He disrupts the run game. I think they need a little bit more of that now. You're kind of hoping if you're a Bills fan or you're employed at One Bills Drive that Ed Oliver is going to kind of blossom into that this year, into more of what you were kind of hoping him to be there. Um, but I think adding other bullets to the uh, gun is is a wise choice. And so uh, great stuff. Uh, X era. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. I appreciate it. No problem. Have a good night, guys. You, you too. too. All right. Let's see here as we keep going. We got the we got the radio version of the Shout Bills podcast tonight going uh, one by one. Uh, tweets by A1 is in the house. What's up, my friend? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not much. Not much. Thanks for uh, hanging out. Thanks for hanging on. A uh, little bit longer than I thought, but I appreciate you holding on. What do you got for us? No, I mean, uh, just to back on what Lou was talking about. Listen, I know that Brandon Bean, after the game, after the AFC Championship game, he said that whatever we do is going to be to beat the Chiefs. Like, that's their main goal is to get better than the Chiefs. I understand pass rush is 100% is the biggest need that we have. But if they watch the Super Bowl, yeah, the Patrick Mahomes was running all over the place, but Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette were tearing them a new one the whole game. Hmm. Now, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are not world beaters. They're not like I don't think anybody would put them in their top 15, top 12 running backs in the league. I really – I look at Josh Allen over his career. He's gotten more open to throwing the check down. But, you know, he strikes me as a type that he's so competitive. But that check down is not going for a good five to ten yards. Every time he throws it, he'll throw it less often. I think that we should just go for a big playmaker. Now, have that be with the 30th pick, have that be with – my my idea would be to sign Aaron Jones. Like I know it's an unpopular opinion among Bills fans, but I really believe that somebody like him, if you combine him with Moss, I mean it worked out with him in Green Bay was him and Williams. Him and Moss, I think, would like put this offense over the top because the Chiefs have Kelsey and Hill. We're not gonna get a Kelsey in free agency. There's no way. You could say that we have our version of Hill and Stephon Diggs. But if you could get 
a John U. Smith and an Aaron Jones and work everything else through the draft, their bargain bin free agency. Man, I, I think that'd be the way to go. Not gonna make the offense even more more unstoppable than it was until the Chiefs game. I I really like the angle that you're coming at at this, and I want to hit this from a, a couple angles of my own. And let's start with the running back position. I guess from my perspective, I don't like the idea of spending big on a guy like Aaron Jones, who I was listening to Mike Lombardi. Uh, I I always listen to his podcast during the season and off season, and you know just the insight from a NFL um, you know front office. I think that that's always important and, he, and his his take on Aaron Jones I thought was really good and it's like listen you never want to pay for someone else hitting on a draft pick you want to find that guy yourself and so especially at a position like running back where you're we've seen it time after time the, the you're willing to you know spend that kind of money at that position generally you're not going to get the return on investment and to your point about you know maybe fixing the running game i mean cleveland has an, an elite running game and Nick Chubb ran for 13 times and 69 yards. Kareem Hunt six times for 32 yards uh, in the divisional round against the Chiefs. And it, and it really didn't matter. And, Ma- and Patrick Mahomes didn't even play the whole game. And so I think that if the, the key to a running game against the, the, the Chiefs is you got to be able to stay in the game long enough to run the ball. And to stay in the game, your defense has to show up and make plays on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why I got I kind of think they can figure things out and you know find a, a, a guy like Aaron. And to your point, like if you want to add that kind of player, maybe try to find it in the draft where it's more cost controlled. I just I, I'm I'm very hesitant to jump in on that unless you know for a fact, whether it be somebody in your pro personnel department or you yourself as the GM, that you're gonna go out and sign Aaron Jones bring him in and he is going to be a world beater from day one, do everything that you need him to do. I mean, I I think there were some games where, you know, Jamal Williams was getting carries over him this past year. And I only know that because I had him on my fantasy team and I'm not, I'm not downplaying Aaron Jones's ability because he's a really good player. I just think that, you know, that type of money for that position has to be a home run. What do you think? No, I agree with that. Running back so tough because a lot of these guys are looking for for big money or, or decent money, I guess, because you know running backs most of them do not get paid that that big money in their second contracts. Teams are getting uh, pretty smart about the fact that you can get guys in the draft, you can get undrafted free agents that can come and contribute. I know it's a small sample size, but look at Antonio Williams in Week Seventeen. Uh, it's just tough to to validate especially with this Bills offense, spending big money on a running back when when you know this offense isn't going to change from the perspective of they're going to pass early and often. Uh, no team passed more on early downs in Buffalo. Uh, that's when a lot of other teams are utilize, getting the run game going. If you're going to spend big money on a player like that, it, it's hard to to do so if you're not going to give him that workload, those carries. And, and I, I do feel like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary can still be a, a valuable one-two to this team. They didn't get the workload. They didn't get a consistent workload, but they also didn't have great blocking in front of them. Uh, Buffalo's offensive line was tr- tremendous as pass blockers, but th- they were underwhelming in, in terms of the run game. There were many times where Singletary or Moss had the ball and within touching the ball, there was someone in the backfield waiting for them, and they had to make a move to just get positive yards or get back to the line. Uh, so I, I think that, again, you have to kind of fix that from within. Fix the line first. I think Moss can be a capable number one. I think Singletary is still elusive. There's a reason he finished tied with the league lead as a rookie in yards per carry. Um, I, I'm big fan of Antonio Williams. I like that three right there. 
if you want to draft another guy mid rounds that can be that speed option, that receiving option out of the backfield, uh, and compete for all by all means. If you want to wait for a bargain, you know, free agent. But I just can't uh, see the Bills necessarily going out and spending big money on a, an Aaron Jones as talented as he is. All right, yeah. man. Thanks so much. I appreciate. Oh, oh no. Get your get your thought in before we get out of here. Yeah, my bad, man. Last thing. I mean, like I said, they can go either way with it. Get it through the draft. Get it through free agency. They just need a, a home run threat. That's basically what I'm getting to. But my last little tidbit that I want to throw out there: the Matt Milano replacement should be Hamza Nasrul Dean out of Florida State University. That's it. Yes. Everybody like watching, go look at the tape. That dude could be Matt Milano and much more. That's it. That's how that, I end it. That's your like Buffalo it. nickel. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Beautiful. You guys have a good day, man. Thank you for having me on. You too, buddy. You. Take care. All right. Let's get our, our last guy in here. Zach, can you hear us, buddy? Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, good. you got the video going, too. I got I to gotta no. take the uh, banner off. All right. What's up, man? How are you doing? Good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry for the wait, man. You're hanging oh, you're in there tight, tough for us. I appreciate it. No problem. I got nothing else going on. I live a very boring life, so nothing's going on. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's, a, it's about to get exciting with uh, free That's very true. Very true. What do you got? So I have a couple of questions to ask you guys. Um, obviously, losing Brown hurts. Well, just me because I, li- I like Brown. Um, I thought he was a really helpful player. Obviously, he was a big part of our offense before Diggs came in and even when he was in. Um so with that being said, do you think Davis can take the next step and take his take Brown's place in the in the lineup? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he does not have the speed of a John Brown. No one's no one's going to say that he does, but he was surprisingly good at getting open in that intermediate deep range and, and getting targets down there. Uh, maybe it's the route running. Uh, whatever the case may be, maybe it's just the the fact that he could improvise really well when Josh Allen rolled out to his right. It was Gabe Davis that would uh, seem to be rolling near the sidelines and making those toe, you know, the toe touches with mm-hmm. uh, playoffs, especially the Colts game. Yeah. Those two catches stand out in in my mind. Yeah, so uh, I think he can step up and be the number two wide receiver. No doubt in my mind about that. But you still probably want to address the speed and I and. Maybe that's bringing back a Kenny Stills. Maybe it's letting John Brown test the market and say, you know, here's what we can offer you. You know the system. You can reestablish your value this year on a one-year deal with us rather than see, you know, go somewhere else for comparable money. There's so many wide receivers that are hitting this market, even though maybe the two top guys, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, are not because they were franchise tag. There's still so much talent and, and younger talent at that and those mid 20 range that I think a, a guy like John Brown's going to have to wait his turn in line. Uh, so I, I'm not even ruling out the possibility that he could return at a reduced salary. I know he said goodbye to the bills pretty, uh, you know, thanks for the two years. Sounds like it pretty permanent in my opinion, but never say never. Uh, there have been guys that have come back before. So I, I would even leave the door open on that scenario. Yeah. And, and Adam Kaplan tweeted out tonight that, you know, he doesn't think this is a, cut and you know reassess later he thinks it's a, a clean break and john brown will be playing somewhere else somewhere else some somewhere else next year but to ryan's point i mean we could get a couple days into free agency and you know with dollars not really at the ready for a lot of teams you know john brown john brown's market might turn into something that you know he might have to take less than he wants and maybe the the the, the bowl of teams that are are, are available 
They're not, not as appetizing as maybe taking a, a significant pay cut to go back and play for the bills on a one-year deal. And then, you know, try to play, try to play at 16 games, try to be, you know, I mean, if you extrapolate his stats from what he played this year into a full season, I think it's still pretty solid of a year that he can maybe go into free agency next year in a more normal year and get paid one last big contract. So I'm not taking that out of the equation, but I think that all the confidence in the world is there in Gabriel Davis. I'm, I'm fully anticipating him to be wide receiver two going into the season. I almost think that, you know, it, not in the same ways where they used him, um, like Isaiah McKenzie was very unique in that he had that speed and he had some, you know, the running ability and the, the kick returning ability and, you know, using him in motion. But you know, I think they're going to want to get Isaiah Hodgins involved too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't exactly know um, where that's going to work. A lot of, a lot of stuff reading on him coming out of the draft was that he has the ability to play that big slot role, maybe to what, you know, a Jake Kumaro had a couple games where he got in there on a few plays and then obviously made that big touchdown play. Um, but they have options and, and I wouldn't rule out them adding somebody in free agency, but I definitely don't anticipate it being next week. I, I would imagine that if they add a receiver, it's in that second wave, third wave, you know, somebody mentioned in the comments, Emmanuel Sanders, there was interest there, uh, last year, two years ago, uh, I should say, and that could be in play too, but how much he's going to be 34 next year. I think all those things come into play and they, they signed Kumaro to a futures contract. You know, they like him. They still have Duke Williams. You know, there's a lot of uh, depth at that position on the roster right now. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so next question is, I saw that Malcolm Butler was released by the Titans. I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the Bills could should probably sign him? Because um, obviously cornerback uh, was a little bit of our weaknesses. Like Norman struggled at times. Levi did have his moments as well. Do you think that they should be addressing cornerback going to this draft in the offseason? Um, yeah, I, I do think that they want to add there for sure. Yeah. Where it ends up happening, I think they'll probably be pretty uh, open to either, you know, in free agency in the draft, like I mentioned a little earlier. But um, Malcolm Butler, I, he's going to be older. Uh, I, I'm not sure where he is. And I, you know, he played well against the Bills, I thought, actually. Um, uh, when Tennessee played against Buffalo in that night game. And I actually remember it specifically because I wrote about how I thought it was a matchup the Bills can exploit, and then Malcolm Butler played really well. <laughs> and it made me eat my words. Uh, but he just turned 31. So or wait a he's he just turned 31. So he'll be 31 this this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, maybe on a one-year deal, something to consider. You know, you, you want somebody that's gonna come in here and be physical, which is obviously a, a bit of his calling card. And like I mentioned before, so yeah, I, I definitely would entertain it if I was if I was the Bills. Bills have gone after veterans every year for that cornerback two role in terms of competition. Uh, I think it's gonna come down to price point and partly because the Bills really like some of the options they have in-house, but also because of the way the salary cap is this year. Uh, going back to a previous call or some uh, or previous uh, question, the Bills can cover as well as, as any team in this league if they want to, but if they don't have any pressure coming from that front four, you saw what could happen against the Chiefs. It felt like Patrick Mahomes was playing pitch and catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they're going to have a price point on cornerback where they're going to be more – they're going to have more uh, flexibility in terms of how much they would spend to get a legitimate edge rusher in there. So if he fits that price point, absolutely. He could be in play. All right, Zach. Thanks so much, my friend. We really appreciate you staying on late here. Um, Have a great week and enjoy uh, free agency. Yep. Thanks for having me on guys. Have a good night. You too. Take care.
All right, we're gonna wrap this thing up here. I did want to hit on one more thing before we do. We had a comment uh, on Twitter uh, from a great follow over there, always uh, active, Josh McCarty. Uh, let me see if I got, I got to back up this guy. The um, oh, if they sign a cornerback, are are they gonna let Levi Wallace walk without applying the RFA tender? I could see a situation where they don't apply the RFA tender and then just try to bring him back because. On a, on, a, on a vet minimum at that point, would it be? Because I just don't think that there's going to be a market uh, for those players. They're not going to get the kind of money that they probably get in most years. Even a guy like Levi Wallace, who started a ton. And if you lose him, I mean, you're probably going to try to address the position anyway. But I do think getting him back would be ideal because you at least know what you have in him. And I think valuable depth there, as we've seen over the years, I mean, go back to when he suffered the injury in 2019 and Kevin Johnson had to go in and play against Houston. I, I think having that kind of depth is super important. I know they really like Cam Lewis too. And I know that they'll bring him back. Um, I think he's either on a futures deal or they might've signed him too. He might be still on his, I got to look at that, but they have a lot of, you know, potential options there. No, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, th there's the risk reward. If you don't sign them to the tender, you can sign them for less than that. You can get a good deal, but obviously then you're letting them run the risk of getting signed out there in, in free agency. There could be a team that says, Hey, he has a lot of starting experience. He's on the younger side compared to some of these vets. But like you said, if the bills do lose him, I think that addressing cornerback one way or the other was going to get addressed this offseason. veteran early in the draft, maybe day two of the draft to bring in some more competition, uh, let Dane Jackson get another year under his belt and compete for that role too. So it, it's a good situation for them where they know what they have in Levi. They know that he can come in and he can play, he can start. But at the same time, I think they also know there's limitations there in, in his game and what he can and cannot do. Final thing before we get out of here, uh, some folks talking about um, Isaiah McKenzie, the likelihood of him coming back, and then a good question on, on YouTube from CJB33. Do you think Isaiah Hodgins can replace Davis's production? Which is a great observation because, you know, even when John Brown was healthy, I mean, the, the good thing about Gabriel Davis is that he carved out a nice niche role for himself even when they had kind of their full – uh, assortment of weapons. And so I think, yeah, I think part of this move I would imagine is the faith that Isaiah Hodgins can kind of become what they probably were, you know, dra they drafted him for. I mean, that was a draft that was super stacked with wide receiver talent. I mean, we're talking about in hindsight, Gabriel Davis probably could have been a second round pick. Isaiah Hodgins probably could have been a fourth or mid, mid round pick. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think you hope you get to training camp and, you know, he got a year to kind of sit back and watch. He was injured. He dealt with some of that, uh, but got some practice time at the end of the year. Yeah, get him back and see if see if he can. And if he can't, I still think you have some options, like we mentioned, you know, with Kumaro and Duke. Yeah, and here's the thing. When, when you know, when people ask those domino effect questions, can Gabriel Davis re replace John Brown? Gabriel Davis already did replace John Brown. I don't think anyone expected John Brown to come in the season and be a 1,000-yard receiver when you had Stefan Diggs opposite him and you had Cole Beasley in the slot. So I think what you got out of Gabriel Davis this year realistically could have been what you were going to get out of John Brown if he would have played the full season. And then obviously Davis's stats would have taken a hit. When it comes to Isaiah Hodgins, I don't think he has to match exactly what Gabriel Davis did this year because there's going to be Hodgins. There's going to be another wide receiver that's brought in here or that makes this roster that's already on the on the roster that can contribute. There could be another tight end. 
the running game could get going. So there's those yards that you're going to be trying to make up for with the Gabriel Davis, the John Brown aspect that can be made up with all these other positions. It doesn't just have to be one specific player, but I do think Hodgins could come in and, and, and be a valuable contributor. All right, everybody. This was a, the show ended up being longer than I thought, Ryan, but you know, a lot of great stuff tonight. I mean, we have to do this a little bit more often over the course of the off season, um, you know, open it up to the fans a little bit. And Hey, if you were on YouTube and, and you'd like to kind of do that and, you know, have us have a role in one of these things, hit me up on my DMS or email me mperino at nyup.com. And uh, we'll make sure that we save a spot for you in one of these upcoming shows. I'm going to go get some sleep because we're going to need it as things really get ratcheted up over the next couple of days. Um, we'll have a ton of content up over at the site, Syracuse.com, New York Upstate. Make sure you check that out. And listen, it's going to be fast and furious on this YouTube channel, this Facebook page, or this Twitter account, wherever you're watching this thing. Because every time something happens over the next couple of days into the next week, we're going to make our best effort uh, to go live and talk about it. We didn't really do it today only because we had kind of a collection of things that we had to talk about and we had the show stapled for tonight and we just kind of wanted to go after it uh, tonight in this kind of big format. Um, but, but moving forward here, if something happens, we will be live to talk about it. Um, it'll be fun. And maybe we'll have some uh, surprise guests along the way. Uh, and we'll get back to our, our regularly scheduled programming with every Wednesday, a, a guest show, not next Wednesday, I don't believe, but the following Wednesday. And we're working on a, Fingers crossed. Really cool guest. So uh, for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will see you very shortly. Enjoy the rest of your week. Good night.